0: Hello and welcome to the parish podcast of St. Anthony of Padua Catholic Church in the Woodlands, Texas. We're excited to share with you Sunday at St. Anthony's, a homily message from this past weekend that we hope you'll find enlightening. Thanks for tuning in and praying with us.
1: The Pharisees approached Jesus and asked, Is it lawful for a husband to divorce his wife? They were testing him. He said to them in reply, What did Moses command you? They replied, Moses permitted a husband to write a bill of divorce and dismiss her. But Jesus told them, Because of the hardness of your hearts, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, no human being must separate. In the house, the disciples again questioned Jesus about this. He said to them, "'Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another,' She commits adultery. And people were bringing children to him that he might touch them, but the the disciples rebuked rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he became indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not prevent them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Amen, I say to you, whoever does not accept the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it, Then he embraced them and blessed them, placing his hands on them. The Gospel of the Lord.
0: So as you heard in Genesis and the Gospel, Jesus is speaking about marriage. And so Deacon Dominic would probably be more qualified to talk about that since he's married. Um, But since it's my first time here at this Mass, since I got here, I figured I'd uh, introduce myself and um, talk to you, uh, share with you this, my homily for, for today. Uh, even though the theme is marriage, you remember Jesus said that in heaven, no one gets married. We live like angels. And so for those of us who live a celibate life, uh, those are consecrated or priests, we get to start to live the life of heaven already now. And so today I want to talk to you about love. And you hear this word used in movies and TV series. You hear it in songs, you hear it or see it on social media. So I want to purify this word so that it's very clear what I mean because I'll use this word a lot because that's the heart of the gospel. If we focus on love, we're in the heart of God, who is love. And so I want to be clear that I don't mean certain things and I do mean God's love. So I told you about this book C.S. Lewis wrote, this author, Christian uh, author, and it's called The Four Loves. And he identified four different different types of love. So let me, briefly tell you what each one of these loves are. The first that he identified was affection, affectionate love. In Greek, the word would be storge, storge. And so this is a big range of love because it goes from I love pizza, I love my puppy dog, I personally like Star Wars, to the sort of love between a mother and her baby. So that's affectionate love. And affection can, can sit alongside other loves, and often does. For example, when a man and a woman fall in love, it's often because of certain affections, a particular location where they live, particular experiences that they've had, personality, um, interests, and it begin, they begin to be, there begins to be an expected and familiar part of their shared lives. It's the familiarity of people with whom you are thrown together, for example, in a family. I had five brothers and four sisters. You're thrown into a certain school. So those people, your youth group, the parish. So the affection for the people always around us in the normal day-to-day life is the majority of the love we experience, even if we don't think about it. So that's affection. The second kind of love is friendship. In Greek, they called it philia. So that's where we get the name Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. I have a best friend, and we became friends because we were both from the same neighborhood. We went to the same Catholic high school. They sat us in alphabetical order, so I I always sat behind him. we got the same grades and we didn't cheat. Uh, Sometimes we start to sing the same song at the same time. So to this day, you know how sometimes you have to register your account and they ask you for a security question and one of them is, what's your best friend's name? Well, I use his name. So Lewis, C.S. Lewis felt that friendship likely has the closest resemblance to heaven where we will be intertwined in our relationships. I think it's more, but this is what Lewis felt. We develop connections over something in common, and that longing for camaraderie makes friendship all the more wanted. So that's the second love. The third love is perhaps what married couples um, are all about. It's romantic love, and the Greeks called it eros. It's different from friendship. Lovers are always talking to one another about their love and are normally face to face, absorbed in each other. When people fall in love, they think it's going to feel like that forever. And I'm sure the married couples that have been married for more than two years (laughs) know how untrue that is. But it also makes people blind It makes young people crazy. They do crazy things for their sweetheart. And persons forget completely about themselves, such as they put personal happiness aside and the other person's interests become the center of their being. Spontaneously and without effort, they love their neighbor as themselves. And that's why this is the image, an image or a foretaste of what could become To everyone, if love himself, God, rules in us always. This is the image, or there's a reason today's reading, the first reading in Genesis, and the gospel reading teaches that this bond between a man and a woman is the picture of God's love for the world, of Christ for his bride, us, the church. So when married couples are able to rediscover their romance in a more profound way, they renew their unconditional love for each other. So all of these loves that I just mentioned, these three loves that I just mentioned, are contained in one ultimate love, the love of God. Some call it charity, but for me that's too weak because it can, we can think that it's giving alms. Love, all of the loves I just mentioned are contained in the love of God and indeed are purified and raised to their noble form in God's love. The Greek word for this is agape, agape. And this kind of love should be our chief aim as Christians, the unconditional love of God the Father given to us through Jesus, his Son. Affection, friendship, and romantic love are each the training ground for this love to grow. The other loves can become distorted and tainted and selfish, but agape love always pushes us to love more, to go beyond, to never stop, to always start again, to transform our suffering into love, into the love of God, to live for others, even to the point of sacrificing ourselves for others like Jesus did. Jesus is and was from heaven, and what he taught us in the Gospels is the life of heaven, how to live the life of heaven on earth, and it has to do with the love of God. So the love of God has several qualities several characteristics and this is true love and when i say true love some people might think of shrek uh, the true love's kiss (laughs) where fiona becomes beautiful a beautiful ogre that's not what i'm talking about true love this love is conceived in god so is not on earth not conceived on earth was conceived in god it's the very life of god And so while I give you these qualities, I invite you to examine your conscience, to examine yourself and to see where you can improve in these qualities of the love of God. I do it all the time. And so let's start with the first characteristic or first quality of the love of God. It's a love that first of all, we we have to recognize that Jesus is present in each person. He said it himself, whatever you do to anyone, especially the least, you did it to me. So we have to convince ourselves and it's an ongoing effort. That's not my dad, that's Jesus. That's not my mom, that's Jesus. That's not my friend, that's Jesus. That's not my little brother, that's Jesus. And then we have to actually do it. Let me give you an example of what it means to love Jesus in in our neighbor. This week, I was supposed to have a funeral, and I scheduled it for Thursday, and I was clear. But there was a miscommunication with the son of the deceased, and he thought it was Wednesday. So on Wednesday noon, he calls me to say, are you ready to come at 445 for the funeral? I knew I would would never have agreed to Wednesday because on Wednesday I'm in Houston till 7 p.m. My first instinct was to say, sorry, it's your fault. I wrote it down for Thursday. You wrote it down for Wednesday. I can't do it. Instead, I remembered, this is Jesus. So I started scrambling around trying to find someone to do it. The first deacon I called couldn't do it. The second deacon i called couldn't do it finally thank god deacon dominic was able to do it and when he did go to the wake and prayed with the family he discovered i'm sorry i'm putting i'm sharing your experience but <laughs> he discovered that this family was very needy and poor they didn't even have enough food so he brought them to our pantry And now they're signed up to receive food constantly. And the only thought that comes to my mind is Jesus is going to tell me when I was hungry, you gave me to eat. He's going to tell Deacon Dominic, when I was hungry, you gave me to eat. So Jesus wants us to recognize him in others. And then to treat them, to love them as we would love Jesus. And to love them as Jesus would love them. So that's the first quality. Love Jesus and the other. The second True love loves everyone. I've said this in the previous homily, but but we don't make exceptions. We don't say this person, yes, this one, no. We expand our hearts and minds and try to be friends, even with persons who may think differently from us. How difficult this has become, but that's how God loves. God loves everyone, even sinners. You know that our parish has a ministry called Colby Ministry. And they visit and pray and uh, minister to persons in jail, to prisoners. And you know that if they're in jail, they did something bad. We know they're criminals, but God continues to love them. And so this ministry also, we love everyone. Third quality of the love of God is that true love is a love that takes the first step in loving the other person. It doesn't wait to be loved before loving the other person, but takes the first step. God himself took the first step in sending us Jesus. Jesus took the first step in incarnating for us. Some people, like me, are very shy. So it's hard for us to initiate a conversation, to be the first to say hello. But because we want to be the first to love, we do it. Some of us are afraid of being rejected. I know I am. Usually when I go to the store, if I forget to love first, I try not to look at anyone and I try to hope people don't recognize me. (laughs) But the other day I I went to Kroger and I wanted to be the first to love. So as I was walking into the store, I was saying hello to this person, hello to the person in the aisle, hello to the other person. And some people wouldn't even look at me because I'm afraid they'll say, oh, I don't like you priest. But most people smiled back. And that's, I even started a conversation with the cashier and the bagging lady. And then I felt so happy because I was able to be the first to love. So that's the third characteristic. The fourth characteristic is we love the other as ourselves. As Jesus said, we all take care of ourselves. We eat the foods we like, so we take care of ourselves. Some of us do spa days, so you, take, you love yourself. Well, I have people who come to me with problems, and so to love them as myself, obviously I listen, but also I try to make their burdens mine. And then I try to resolve them as if they were mine, because love makes them mine. So that's the fourth characteristic, love the other as yourself. The other is another me. I can't hurt the other without hurting myself. If I elevate, empower the other, praise the other, I praise myself. So the fifth characteristic, love is concrete. It's not sentimentalism. So we make, we do what Jesus did. He made himself one. He put himself in our shoes. He took on our skin. And so we can do the same. To make ourselves one to put ourselves in the other person's shoes in everything 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 except sin not in sin we can make ourselves one in watching uh, an appropriate parental guided movie we can make ourselves one in uh taking a walk playing a game with your little brother or sister we can make ourselves one with your wife going shopping you can make, the wife can make herself one with her husband by watching the football game, or maybe she's the one who loves football, but to make ourselves one. and The sixth characteristic of love. Love your enemy, love the enemy. And this is probably the most characteristic of true Christian love. No other religion has it to love your enemy, only Christianity. To love your enemy, then it's not easy. I'll give you an example. You might have heard two years ago of Brant Jean, an 18 year old who forgave the convicted police woman, Geiger, who killed his brother. He used his victim impact statement to tell the court that despite what the police woman took from his family, if she is truly sorry for what she did, then he forgives her and wants the best for her. And then he asked the judge if he could hug her. And the judge said yes. Jean or Brandt told Geiger that his main desire wasn't for her to go to to jail, but to give her life to Christ. His words. So love your enemy. Love our enemy. Seventh characteristic, and I'm almost done. Jesus wants this love to be mutual. It's not enough for me to love you. It's not enough for you to love me. We have to love one another. It's a love that goes and the love that returns. And so it's a love that circulates between us moment by moment by moment. And let me give you an example of two five-year-old little girls who understood what mutual love means, what to live mutual love means. So these little girls, uh, Janie. Janie got to school she saw that her friend Elizabeth was crying. Janey stayed with her and to make her stop crying, she let her play with her doll. Elizabeth stopped crying and gave Jane a piece of candy. Then Jane took out a bottle of water, she had two bottles of water and gave one to Elizabeth. Elizabeth said thank you with a big smile and they were both so happy because they were loving one another children understand. And finally, Jesus helps us understand that what is true love helps us understand what is true love. He helps understand true love with His cross, through his cross. You can see that to love this to live this love, this love of God is hard, is difficult, sometimes painful. It involves suffering. It requires denying ourselves to think of others, but then afterwards it brings such joy in our lives your heart feels like it's bursting with the love of god and you know it's the joy of the gospel the joy only jesus can give he says so so this is where our efforts should always be and i want to show especially the kids this little tool it on the six sides of the q, uh, of these characteristics of love and the way it's used by children throughout the world, but by adults as well, because there's one for adolescents, there's one for adults, there's one for the business world, is that they take this cube, they toss it in the morning, whatever comes up, they try to live during the day, during the week, and then they come together to share their experiences of how they lived, that aspect of the cube of love. It's something that I'll be talking about and introducing and and reinforcing constantly. especially among the uh, youth and the programs that we have. And so, if you understand the true love of God, you understand everything. And that's all if we focus on love. I remember a story that St. John, who died of old age, the community had him there, and they kept asking him, tell us something, tell us something about Jesus, tell us something new that we haven't heard. And he'd just keep repeating, Love one another, love one another. There's not much more than that, but you see how difficult it is. Anyway, just imagine how beautiful our homes, our schools, our parish, our world will be and how it will be more according to God's, to God's design, God's creation. That is, how much more beautiful everything would be. Amen.